0: Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober, right here on Green Earth Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio. Today, we start off our countdown to the Weston A. Price Foundation's annual Wise Traditions Conference in November, with the first in our series of interviews with speakers for the upcoming conference. With eight weeks to go until the Wise Traditions Conference, we'll be talking to Mark McAfee of Organic Pastures. Plus, our desserts will tell you how to live appropriately in the upcoming week, but first, Let's go to our appetizers and find out what happened the past week in the world of real food. A couple weeks ago, a study at Stanford University made big news when it said that organics aren't any healthier than conventionally grown foods. It turns out that one of the co-authors of the study, Dr. Ingram Olkin, has a long history being involved in anti-science propaganda for the tobacco industry. It's also been discovered that Stanford has deep financial ties to Cargill, which supports genetically modified foods and is behind the Proposition 37 GMO labeling campaign. Organics being healthier than conventional food is common sense, and we can now move on from this bogus study as well as remember the importance of GMO labeling by voting yes on Prop 37 in November. Next, in Houston, raw milk farmer Wayback When Dairy... Has been told by the Dairy Farmers of America that they have to market 100% of their milk production through the DFA unless the milk is sold directly to consumers. DFA is a cooperative that's aligned with Big Dairy. It's clearly an example of Big Dairy having control over small farms and limiting their freedom. The DFA can also set prices to anything they want, and it looks like. Sorry. And it looks like they'll be sadly turning way-back-when dairy into highly processed nutrient-damaged milk and other dairy products. In other news, the Center for Disease Control has issued a recall on imported ricotta cheese as 14 people in 11 states and D.C. have been affiliated by listeria linked to the cheese, including three fatalities. Conventional dairy is alleged to be safer, but this clearly demonstrates the great danger in highly processed dairy. Also, after the recall of mangoes from Mexico last week, the FDA is now allowing for imported mangoes to be detained without inspecting them first. While I personally wouldn't buy imported mangoes, as all produce that comes into the States is irradiated, I still oppose the FDA being able to seize produce without examining it first, further limiting farmers' freedom. And finally, in South Dakota, meat processor Beef Products Inc. is trying to sue ABC News for calling their meat pink slime and saying they were misleading consumers to believe their meat is unhealthy and unsafe. Defamation and food law experts say the case will be tough for beef products to win. The health crisis we're seeing in the U.S. with factory-farm meat proves that pink slime is neither healthy nor safe. I commend ABC News for bringing it into the mainstream media just how bad meat from feedlots is. And now for our main course, which today is raw milk. Raw milk has been vilified for the past century, but most people don't know the reason why it's been demonized or the health benefits that it offers. Dairies started pasteurizing their milk as the industry switched from farms to processing plants in the city. The dairies in the cities had unsanitary conditions and were feeding the cows that they shouldn't be eating. Pasteurization reduced people's chances of being harmed by this unhealthy milk, but it also killed the healthy bacteria found in raw milk. Today, milk in general is viewed viewed as unhealthy by many groups. It's been linked to everything from asthma, acne, cancer, heart disease, and lactose intolerance. But what they don't tell you is that only pasteurized milk is linked to all of these. Raw milk actually helps cure people of all these illnesses and many other ailments as well. Studies show that 90% of people aren't lactose intolerant but pasteurization intolerant, meaning the vast majority of people with so-called lactose intolerance can consume raw milk. Milk is also pasteurized to give dairy products a longer shelf life at supermarkets. Milk products aren't pasteurized for the benefit of the consumers. They're pasteurized so these industrialized dairies don't have to keep up with the most sanitary conditions, humane ways of raising the cows, and they can profit by selling the most milk. Here to talk with me about raw milk is Mark McAfee, owner of Organic Pastures, a great model not only for dairy farms, but for all, how all farms in general should operate. Mark, it's wonderful to have you on the show. This is the first of our speakers for the Westna Price's Wise Traditions Conference in November, and I mean, you're like the perfect person to start it off with.
0: Well, thanks for having me on, and It's a pleasure, and I've learned a lot just listening to your intro there. Got a lot of thoughts uh, about what you said. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're, um, I think you certainly do a lot of um, different Weston A. Price and real food things. I mean, because you've done some down here in LA, the Real Food Symposium, and you did the Fermentation Fest in Santa Barbara. And I mean, it's it's wonderful how you're able to just, you know, to let everyone know about the benefits of fresh raw milk. And also, not just that you educate people about it, but also that you have just such a wonderful farm model with your raw milk and grass-fed beef, pastured eggs, raw almonds. I mean, it's one of the most amazing companies, Organic Pastures.
0: Well, it's it's amazing because of our consumers and our, our relationships with our consumers. You know, we don't have a marketing program on Organic Pastures. We have an education program. We learned a long time ago that you don't sell raw milk, you teach raw milk. Um, it's an educational curve. People have to get over the fact that we need good bacteria in and on our bodies for our immune systems to to function properly. And for all time uh, people have been consuming raw milk or other raw foods in order to get those good bacteria and also fermented raw foods in order to get those good bacteria into our ecosystems so that we'll function properly. In the last 60 to 70 years we've been, as a country, um, a first world country, obviously doing all kinds of things to eliminate bacteria and in our our lives, in our environments, and in our foods. And now we're suffering the consequences of disastrous immune system failure. We should all note that 85% or 80%, it's arguable, we don't really know, of our immune systems are made up of the good bacteria in our gut. And in America, we do at least three or four things that I'm aware of to really destroy those bacteria. Number one, we eat foods that are completely devoid of any kind of bacteria. Number two, we take a lot of antibiotics whenever we get sick or, you know, the doctors want to take, you know, give us a pill to make us well. We take antibiotics. Number three, our foods have preservatives in them, which kill off good bacteria in our guts. And then you've got all the issues with the inflammation that goes on from eating these foods and the environmental toxins we've got that destroy our immune systems as well. So we are in an immune system crisis and when people drink raw milk and fermented raw milks and other good whole foods, their immune system start to recover. It's like miraculous healing taking place. And I tell you what, we can't keep our products on the shelf in California. It's just been fantastic.
1: Right. That's a good point you bring up about the bacteria. My good friend Hannah Crum of Kombucha Camp, she has the term to describe us as bacteria sapiens.
0: <laughs> she stole that one from me. I've been saying that. Oh, for, uh, really? Seven years. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I'll but, have to let know. her know that. We'll, we'll have to have a little talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it Tom Willie up at, in Madeira here, uh, people back east, even Sally Fallon said it. But you know, I said it a few years ago, and you know, it is a fantastic way to look at ourselves. We are more bacterial than we are human, and this came out of the work of the NIH and the NIH, uh, the, the doctors that are doing research. Dr Bonnie Basler and others have found that you know we are packed filled with bacteria and the dna from those bacteria drive the way we function and yeah we have human dna but it's a smaller part of our whole makeup genetically and we need the bacteria from good back, the, the, the dna from good bacteria in order to have a functioning uh, biosphere as a human being that's our genome that's what we that's what makes us tick and we're not ticking very well when you think of you know 50, one in 54 children is born into autism now getting worse and worse, and uh, asthma striking one in tw- uh, you know 25% of the children here in Fresno County, and one in three children are going to be uh, diabetic in their lifetime that are born today. And we've got obesity rampant. We've got eczema, allergies. We've got all kinds of disastrous problems in our gut with Crohn's disease, celiac disease, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, I could go on all day about this. So these are all immune system-related diseases and disorders that are – totally related to the way Western medicine treats our bodies with antibiotics and also with, our obviously, our foundational nutritional diet. We're no longer eating the diets of our great-grandfathers, and as a result, we're falling apart, and it's really happening very quickly.
1: Agreed. Certainly, the diets that our grandparents ate and uh, people before them, I mean, there's the joke, organic, or as our grandparents called it, food, We've so much moved away from it and really everything that I talk about on the show and certainly that's recommended by organizations like the Weston A. Price Foundation is about going back to the food the way food used to be and certainly raw milk is one of them which it's really similar. I find there's a theme in all of these about as we moved into the city and became industrialized how the operations changed because it wasn't at farms but it was at plants and the food became more impure, more processed. And so certainly you do that with a number of products of going back the way food used to be. How did you get introduced into all of this in the first place, specifically with raw milk and start what's, you know, one of the most successful raw dairies?
0: We we are the largest organic raw dairy in the United States, and we think in the world. Um, I I don't care to be the largest. I just want to be the best and the most uh, grounded in terms of Mother Nature's uh, ecosystems. But we got started. I, I was actually my first job out of high school. I was a commercial welder, and I saw somebody almost get killed in a mine uh, operation up at Strawberry Mine in the mountains. And I saw the paramedics flying in their orange jumpsuits and the nurses in a helicopter. I said, you know what, I want to be one of those guys. So I went on and I got pre-med certified, uh, you know, Fresno State and, and other, you know, university stuff. Got my, my pre-med taken care of. Became a certified paramedic. And then I got married. My wife and I had been in medicine for 17 years until I retired from medicine. I was a, a medical educator and a certified paramedic, and I, was in, I, was a, I did everything in the paramedic field until 1996. And after that, I, I retired from paramedic medicine and took over the family farming operations. And when I did, I realized that I really, really wanted to stay grounded with nature. I didn't want to do pesticides, herbicides. I didn't want to do anything antibiotics. I wanted to be completely natural, and I didn't want to be like my neighbors and spraying all the time. So we certified everything organic out here, and that evolved into uh, producing organic alfalfa. And then we started our own organic dairy feeding our own organic alfalfa to our own cows. And when I did that, I did not realize uh, anything about raw milk. It was just an organic dairy selling its milk to be pasteurized at Organic Valley. I did not realize that in May of 1999, Alcathena Dairy went out of business in Los Angeles. The Stuby's natural brand was no longer available for raw milk consumption. I came into business six months later. So there was a massive vacuum here in California where people needed and wanted raw milk. And I was the southernmost located raw milk dairy, or excuse me, uh, organic dairy in California, closest to Los Angeles. So people started showing up here saying, we want your milk raw. And so I went and got my raw milk permit and built a small creamery. And within about two months or so, we were feeding people in Los Angeles with organic grass-fed raw milk. And by listening to the consumer's and responding to their needs, we have grown now to a huge company with sixty five employees and eighteen trucks and four hundred stores that are serving people directly and we are a thriving, growing business, a family based business, and we are so excited to be able to listen to our consumers every day on Facebook and at the farmers markets and through our website and listen to their needs, their wants, their responses, their criticisms, their compliments. We tour people through. My wife Blaine is a big tour guide here. She She's an RN. She's a medical educator herself. She tours people through our farming operations. We've had 1,500 people come through since the first of the year to tour our farms. Um, And, you know, it's just a wonderfully integrated, responsible, um, biodiverse environment where we can educate people about where their food comes from. Because one of the biggest problems with industrial agriculture is when you think your food comes from a supermarket, it's easy to fool you about where that food comes from that goes to the supermarket. But if you understand where your food really comes from, which is a farmer, then you're going to be concerned about the farming operation and their practices. And what we are fully dedicated to doing is making sure that people understand where their food comes from when it comes from organic pastures dairy and other organic farming operations. And that that transparency of education is really transforming to people when they get it. There's a farmer behind the food, and there's practices there, and it all impacts their health. So it's a beautiful thing that's happened here.
1: Right, and I like that you brought up about Altadena dairy because that dairy, it's out of business, and they were a raw milk dairy. And you do still see their product in stores, but I know they're owned by Dean Foods now. And the other thing is they have a cheese there which says raw milk, but it's not a legitimate raw milk that I I know they're one of the ones. And there are other ones that you see like this too, such as Organic Valley's, where they cook it at one degree below – What's well, considered pasteurization of one sixty five, uh, but it, t- I know to be truly raw milk, it can't be cooked any higher than one
0: hundred five. Uh, yeah, if it's going to be truly raw cheese like we make, and there's several other brands in California that are truly raw, you need to be just you know one hundred two, one hundred three degrees, because you know brain cells start to die at one hundred five degrees, and that's really where you start seeing things start to change, and it's not raw anymore. You don't have your enzymes and probiotic bacteria alive anymore. So Altadena and and Organic Valley and Sonnet and Landmark and all those kinds of cheeses, they have a a raw cheese that's theoretically raw. Well, not theoretically. It's it's the fact that, just like you said, they take it right below pasteurization temp. And since it's not pasteurized, it's technically raw. Well, that technicality is really a fraud because, in fact, it has been heated to a point where you killed off almost all the bacteria and enzymes have been deactivated. So it's just the same as pasteurized. Uh, that's just a couple degrees below pasteurized, and you fooled the marketplace uh, by mislabeling the product. And it's really quite tragic.
1: So, for cheese, it's heated a little. Now, how about for just the milk itself, like the whole milk? Is that heated at all, or is that truly raw?
0: Well, understand that milk comes out of the cow at 99 degrees. That's mm. the body temperature. 98.6 is a mammalian okay. body temperature. So that's the, that's, the, that's not really heated when you put it in the vat and you take it to body temperature for the bacteria right. to grow and ferment to make it a So that's not heating. Heating would be above 102, 103 fever temperature. Then you start to, to heat things. Um, now, our milk comes out of the cow at 98 degrees and immediately within 30, 40 seconds goes through a plate chiller that drops that milk down to 36 or 37 degrees. And that's where we get our low bacteria counts. We have obviously a very clean, utter environment. We really spend a lot of time, energy, and money making sure that our, our milkers are really, really, really keyed up on doing a good job of milking the cows. But then that milk comes out of the cow very pure in the milk line, stainless steel milk line, which is also very, very clean, and then it's chilled rapidly down to 36 degrees. That secures the milk at a very, very low bacteria count, which gives it a nice long shelf life as long as you keep it cold. Because as you know, if you allow a raw milk to get warm, it becomes clabbered milk. Which is wonderful, but it's much like yogurt; and it's no longer fresh.
1: So it's still healthy when it's warm, but just it's a different texture and essentially a different dairy product.
0: Exactly, it's it's got a probiotic diversity of beneficial bacteria, uh, but it's more like yogurt uh, than it is raw fresh milk, which has a low bacteria count. Uh, when you clabber milk and leave it out for, let's say, twenty four hours, and let the the wonderful bacteria in milk double every twenty minutes, you be, literally you have five to to 20 million bacteria per milliliter instead of maybe 500. So you, you really, really bring your bacteria levels to a very high point, much like yogurt, except instead of having two or three kinds of bacteria at high levels, uh, raw milk will have 50 to 100 different kinds of bacteria at high levels when it's fermented. When it's fresh, obviously you have 50, 60 different kinds of bacteria at extremely low levels. And that's why raw milk is such a powerful, powerful probiotic immune system building food it has a probiotic diversity of beneficial bacteria, not just ones or twos, but 50 or 60 different kinds of bacteria at low levels that go in with the specialized sugars like oligosaccharides and other beneficial sugars. that are found only in raw milk and in breast milk and recolonize the gut wall, and that recolonization of the gut wall is the protective immune system that's missing in America today. And it's phenomenal. You see transformation in people's lives when you get the gut wall working properly. Everything works right. Your digestive tract works well. Your protective immune system works well. You don't have food allergies anymore. You you, you know, it's literally a phenomenal transformation of your health because if your gut's healthy, you're healthy.
1: And you talked about how a lot of people's guts are destroyed by these processed foods. Will drinking raw milk, like, immediately uh, cure your gut if you've had a lot of these processed foods?
0: I wouldn't use the word immediate, but immediately you start to transform back to a healthier gut. That's for sure. But sometimes it takes a lot of time. You know, Crohn's disease may take six to eight months to actually, you know, really do a nice healing job in the gut if you're really into whole food nutrition and raw milk and and fermented raw milks especially. Um, So it takes a while. You know, it took you a while to destroy your gut, and it's going to take you a while to, to walk down the path to get back to a healthy gut. But I do know that most people do not experience... Uh, any allergies at all with with raw milk, but uh, a a great segment of the population has a lot of allergies to pasteurized milk. In fact, if you were to Google, anybody can do this on a smartphone, on on your laptop, your computer, your iPad, just Google most allergenic food in America, and you'll see on the FDA website, number one, numero uno, is pasteurized milk. In fact, eight children have died since 1998 for consumption of properly pasteurized milk. The food allergy complex in pasteurized milk is so incredibly strong because of all the dead bacteria pieces and the, the um, uh, homogenization fats been changed and all the protein changes that, in fact, children's immune systems are so reactive, their mast cells are so, sta- so unstable, the histamines are released, and they're, you know, guess what? You get kids that die from pasteurized milk. So it's very sad. Um, now, raw milk is very healing of the immune system in terms of allergies. In fact, the European studies... Show that uh, raw milk stabilizes mast cells and actually does a nice job of healing up asthma, allergies, eczema, allergic rhinitis, just like breast milk does. Um, raw milk is an incredibly healing food when it comes to allergies and digestive issues and immune system status.
1: Now, do people, when first consuming raw milk, do they ever have any negative reactions in relation to what they've been eating before?
0: Yeah, I think that um, we ask people that have Uh, kind of, uh, you know, guts that aren't really in good shape to take it, take it easy. (laughs) You know, the problem with raw milk is it tastes so good. People start drinking raw milk and say, oh, my God, it's delicious, and they just start guzzling it. When you do that, you're inviting a new sheriff uh, into town, you know, in the gut. You're actually going to start having a little battle between the good and the bad, and raw milk brings in these wonderful, wonderful bacteria, which are powerful and strong, and they tend to evict other bacteria that are also strong but not so good. And there's a battle with candida. There's a battle with all kinds of other bacteria. Because remember, in our gut, there's a balance between good and bad bacteria. And whenever you invite good bacteria in, they're going to battle out the bad bacteria. And you can have a little diarrhea. You can have some issues for a day or two when acclimating to raw milk. But this is rare. It doesn't happen very often. But we could tell people that, hey, listen, if you have gut problems, take it easy a little bit and walk slowly into this change of your internal ecosystem because uh, you're going to resort your gut. And it'll be for the good, but it takes a little time to get it done.
1: Interesting. What would be the recommendation for people to slowly get in? Like, as far as like you know, how much to consume daily?
0: Well, that's a good question. What we basically tell people is take a third of a Dixie cup. You know, if you're allergy, if you have allergies to pasteurized milk, I would say take a t- tablespoon and let it sit in your mouth for a few hours. You know, uh, uh, you know, sit in your mouth. You know, swallow it, and then wait around and see if you have allergies to raw milk because it could be a protein or something that your body's really reacted to so little tiny samples if you have you think you have a problem most people have no problems at all but the most concerned people we would suggest taking maybe a quarter of a a dixie cup every two or three hours just to see how it goes and then maybe a dixie cup and then the next day a full cup and then don't worry about it you're perfectly fine but if you have a reaction or if you have some gas take it easy take it easy Um, things will go well if you take it slow
1: well, that's good. And what about um, if starting instead of with the dairy, if they started with maybe some things where the milk's been aged, such so as like the cheese or the butter?
0: Uh, butter is almost universally acceptable to people's gut because um, it's fat. It's just nice, good, raw fat. There's not a lot of lactose in it, hardly any lactose. There's no casein. Uh, there is some probiotic bacteria, but not a lot. So it's just good raw fat, and good raw fat is very healing and settling to the gut, and very few people ever have a problem with that. And when you have grass-fed raw fats, they're similar to fish oil fats, which are very, very good for your immune system as well, and your your nerves, your brain, uh, very, very calming, very, very important for the neurodevelopment of children. So, yeah, no problem with raw fat in butter. But as far as other foods are concerned, absolutely I agree. Fermented raw milk making kefir or making a type of yogurt or clabber out of raw milk and making a smoothie out of it makes it even easier to digest because it's pre-digested for you. And, in fact, historically, it's interesting. When you go back in time, most people that drank raw milk didn't drink raw milk that was fresh. That was the farmer's delicacy uh, because they had access to cows directly from you know, directly to the cows. But people down the street or had milk 6, 10, 12 hours later or the next day or two days later, uh, most cultures around the uh, around the world enjoyed fermented raw milk with a local culture that was added to the milk to ferment it. Uh, this was true of the Maasai cultures in Kenya, European cultures, the Balkans. Uh, all around the world where people drank raw milk, they had a fermented form, like kefir or uh, yogurts or something that would ferment the milk because they didn't have refrigeration. And that milk would last for weeks or even months. And as it started to uh, age, it would actually separate into curd and whey the curd could be made into cheese, and the whey would be used to ferment other foods. So, you know, raw milk has a eternal history of being a health-giving food in its uh, fermented form.
1: Mm-hmm. And in addition to butter, um, I like what you said about that. Butter certainly is something which is very misunderstood. That we've been told that butter is bad, and we've had these awful fake butter substitutes which are really unhealthy but butter I mean it's high in vitamin K and we can actually get more of the nutrients by putting butter on vegetables and so certainly yeah. you know you can use the your butter and like spread it on some sourdough bread but a lot of people yeah. do also like to use butter for cooking and I know when you cook certainly it will lose the rawness of it especially when it's cooked at high temperatures but would you still say that it's better to cook with raw milk butter than regular butter?
0: Yes, I would. I, I, raw butter is fairly um, tolerant. Uh, the fats are fairly tolerant to heat unless you take it to really high temperature. Uh, raw butter is pretty pretty uh, tolerant to heat. Um, now, the you, will, you will lose some enzymes and some other factors, but for the most part, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, fairly low-temperature cooking with, with butter. Um, one of my favorite T-shirt sayings is, butter was framed,
1: <laughs>
0: you know. Uh, and it's really true because grass-fed raw butter is just like a fish oil fat. It's phenomenal for your cholesterol, for inflammation in your body. And in fact, people that start to eat raw butter from grass-fed cows see a, a dramatic drop in their CRP, their C-reactive protein levels, which is an intern, it's a blood indicator, it's a blood marker, uh, indicator of inflammation in your body. You lower your CRP, the lower your incidence of having misbehaving cholesterols uh, with plaquing and so on and so forth. So, you know, we all want to have good fish oils, the high omega-3s, low 6s. And the same kind of oils come from grass-fed sources of fat, uh, whether it be in beef or whether it be in uh, milk. And so, uh, you know, getting back to those grass-fed sources of fat are incredibly important in terms of heart health and also our, our, our neural neurofibrils, our Schwann cells and our a brain development for children as well as older people that want to
1: keep their sanity. <laughs> Another reason I would say for people to cook in your butter or also even if they're like cooking cheese to melt it on something is that your dairy, in addition to being raw, has some of the most humane ways of, of raising the cows. I mean these are high standards that even these you know small family um, organic pasteurized farms, they don't have that, I mean – the way things you do such as the cows are all bred naturally and others. So can you describe a little of your process of what you do?
0: Sure. Well, all of our breeding is done by bulls. So, uh, you know, there's a natural herd instinct going on where cows are bred by a bull. They're not bred by artificial insemination. Um, They're free to do all the normal things they would do in nature. They, They graze on green pastures every day. Um, they lay down in pastures, they don't lay down a, you a know, bunch of wet manure. Um, when they give birth to their calves, they can go off in the corner of a pasture and have their area there where they can give birth to a calf like they would in nature. Um, you know They milk twice a day, not four times a day. They live a normal life. Um, our cows live seven to fifteen years, where a conventional dairy, uh, most of the cows are slaughtered after three to five years. And most is uh, 42 months, which is about three and a half to four years. And that's because of the extreme production standards required to compete in the commodity market system where our expectations of our cows are very, very natural. About a third as much milk expected to come out of our cows, which makes that milk much higher nutrient-dense because you're not expecting so much to be milked out of the cow. What is produced out of the cow is very nutrient-dense, and that's a beautiful thing, not only for the stress of the cow and the immune system of the cow, but also um, for the nutrients for the value in the milk. Uh, our calves are raised here on the farm and uh, they rejoin the herd after a year. Um, we don't do any kind of veal at all. I, I, we absolutely do not believe in any kind of veal uh, production at all. We believe all animals should be raised to adulthood and experience all the experiences of life naturally. And so we don't, you know, we, we do some wonderful things here at Organic Pastures and the cows get to lay in the sun and uh, do all the normal things they would do in a normal happy cow's life.
1: I was going to say, I think part of what makes your raw milk very safe is the way that you raise the cows that's a higher standard than others.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Um, The conditions, when you look at the conditions in which our cows are raised, the feed that they're fed, the way that they're milked, the way they're treated, all those conditions, and I say conditions in kind of an emphatic way because I mean, I'm talking about Claude Bernard's, Concept of the terrain in 1875, when he was it was arguing with you know Pasteur about the germ theory that in fact it's about the terrain. He meant the conditions, the immune system of the environment that has everything to do with what kind of bad bugs or good bugs you're going to have there in the environment, which are going to end up in the milk. And so what we do is constantly, constantly monitor to make sure that the conditions we have here at Organic Pastures Dairy are very, very supportive of beneficial bacteria and are not the kind of conditions that would support the growth of bad bacteria. And for the most part, that's been very, very successful. We test our milk also to assure that there's no bad bacteria and that the kind of environmental bacteria there are in the milk are the beneficial kind. So we're very much based on conditions and environments and the terrain versus, you know, the germ theory, which is, you know, we're supposed to be sterile and bad bugs are, you know, they invade us and make us sick, which is a crock. Uh, And it's misled medicine to a place now where, it killed off our immune systems and now we're dying left and right from antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which killed 50,000 people a year. It's just tragic.
1: All right. We're about to take a commercial, but when we come back, we will continue talking with Mark McAfee about the advantages of raw milk and also hear about some of the other products that Organic Pastures offers. Wise Traditions Conferences bring a world of nutrition information to the health professional and health-conscious consumer and the Conference Meals and Exhibit Hall reflect our dietary principles. Join us this September 15th to 16th, Buffalo, New York, for our second regional conference, or November 9th to 12th in Santa Clara, California, for our 13th annual international conference, Learn and Grow in Wellness. See more details on Westonaprice.org. And we're back with The Appropriate Omnivore. My guest today is Mark McAfee. He is the owner of Organic Pastures Raw Dairy, and he's a speaker in the Weston A. Price's Wise Traditions Conference this November. And we've been talking about the health benefits of raw milk. At the beginning of my show, I had talked about how most people are actually not lactose intolerant but pasteurization intolerant. Mark, why don't you explain a little more about how this works?
0: Well, you know, for all time— um, raw milk has defined us as mammals. We're breastfed, uh, you know, as babies to one to two years old. And, you know, breast milk is not sterile. It's got a probiotic diversity of bacteria that comes from the mother. And that really defines us as mammals. And that happens in goats, sheep, horses, cows, you know, human beings. And we are supposed to have good bacteria that enters our digestive tract that creates a whole bunch of wonderful digestive enzymes, well, here's a problem. When you don't breastfeed your children or it's limited breastfeeding and then that child goes on to drink pasteurized milk and then has antibiotics in their life, guess what? The preservatives also in the food, guess what? You destroy the bacteria in the gut, which produce the enzyme lactase. When you drink pasteurized milk, there is no bacteria in pasteurized milk that supports the growth of lactase enzymes. Remember, lactase enzyme is required to digest lactose sugar. Lactase enzymes are a byproduct of bacterial activity in the gut wall that comes from dietary sources of bacteria. Raw milk, fermented raw milk, and breast milk are fantastic sources of bacteria, sources of lactobacillus bacteria, coliform bacteria, as well as uh, bifidobacteria, which colonize the gut wall and produce residual lactase enzymes so when lactose comes along from whatever source it comes from, it will be easily digested. Well, that's the problem. When you drink pasteurized milk, there is none of these good bacteria. Therefore, you can't create the lactase enzyme. So when lactose sugar comes along all by itself, without any enzymes without any good bacteria, you get gas, cramps, and diarrhea. So you can drink raw milk, no problem, because you have these whole, you have the wholeness of the food. You got the enzymes and good bacteria, but pasteurized milk you don't. And what's interesting is once you started to drink raw milk for a while, you can generally eat pasteurized dairy products without a problem because you have the residual enzyme there uh, that you can consume the lactose uh, that's you know, obviously in the partial food of ice cream or whatever that's been pasteurized. So it's very interesting that pasteurized milk and raw milk have a symbiosis together where you, know, you sell a lot more pasteurized dairy products if people drank raw milk more often.
1: Interesting. So certainly raw milk is very much a healing product.
0: Totally. It's a whole food. It's a food that defines us as mammals. It goes back as long as you want to imagine. I know at least 30,000 years that that human beings have been drinking raw milk. Because when people stood around starving to death and didn't want to hunt anymore, uh, they realized they had sun above them and they had grass below them. They needed something to eat the grass because they couldn't eat the grass. So they got a goat, cow, or sheep. And guess what? You started having a whole food available immediately that kept your kids from starving. That was a pretty wonderful thing to happen. And you didn't have to hunt anymore, and that was the beginning of civilization. We could settle down where we had grass and sunshine, and you could actually eat food from that animal. If you got really hungry, you could eat the animal too. So raw milk was actually a transforming part of civilization 30,000 years ago that allowed mankind to settle down and no longer have to hunt.
1: One of the things I also find fascinating about your company is how you do – a lot of inspections to make sure that it is safe for people. Is this something that is typical with raw dairies, or do you see yours having a higher standards of inspections to make sure that it's safe?
0: Well, there's there's two levels of inspection. The state of California has their, their level of inspection, which is pretty darn intense. Uh, in fact, uh, two weeks ago, they, they announced that there's another kind of inspection they're going to be doing that they've never done before, and that is they're going to be inspecting our bulk tank, which is right after milking of the cows, and they're also going to inspect the finished product of the, uh, the, you know, the finished products. So they're actually doubling up their testing now uh, because they've actually opened up the floodgates in California for raw milk, which is very interesting. They've been hammered by questions of the local dairymen saying, we want to smoke uh, uh, sell our raw milk to the public directly off the farm because so many people are going to local dairies, uh, just regular dairies, and saying, we want your raw milk. And the dairymen say, what do we do? And now they're having their bulk tanks inspected so that they can actually meet and exceed our standards in a bulk tank, which is kind of interesting because that's never ever happened before in California. So there's a whole lot of change going on. We ourselves actually operate our own laboratory, and we have our own food safety plan, which goes far beyond any of the governmental standards. Because I don't want to be the last one to know. I want to know immediately what's going on with our bacterial standards and our surveillance program here at Organic Pastures Dairy. And I would say most of the larger raw milk dairies that I'm aware of, Ed Shank back in Pennsylvania ourselves, and even Clarabel does a lot of internal inspection ourselves to assure that our safety standards are consistent and high. And we give that feedback back to our employees so they know that they're actually doing a good job. And here at Organic Pastures Area, we actually give bonuses to our milkers as they achieve excellence in their bacterial uh, samples that we we get. uh, You know, we do 12 samples a day to assure that our milk is not only compliant with law, but also consistent with our internal food safety program. So we, do, we go far beyond any governmental or regulatory standards that are required here in California to assure that our products are beyond reproach.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good to know that certainly other ones follow the same. In addition to wonderful raw dairy that you offer, you have so many great other products. I think one of the other things that you do really well is your pastured eggs are yeah. the best eggs I've had. The fresh orange color and, I mean, the diet that you feed the chickens that's soy-free as well as also that they get to certainly to roam around all time in the pasture. Can you let us know a little about some of these other products, your eggs, beef, almonds?
0: With all of our products, I I have to say, I do not get the credit for them. I get credit for listening to our consumers. That's what I get credit for. The credit goes to our consumers. And every one of our products was something that a consumer begged us for. (laughs) And we just has a good sense to listen to our consumers and turn around and do the product that they wanted. You know, you listen to consumers across the farmer's market table, and they'll tell you everything you need to know as a farmer on what to do, how to do it, because they're going to demand it. Just listen to them. That's the whole thing. So we produce grass-fed ground beef, which is the, the whole cow in, um, and that's a phenomenal ground beef uh, product because it doesn't just take a little trim from this or trim from that. It's it's the whole ground beef product. So your filet mignon, your tri tip everything is in. Phenomenal ground beef. We have that available. We also have our wonderful eggs, which are obviously grass-fed, pastured, certified organic. And chickens actually eat fermented raw milk. We uh, All of our um, uh, cheese byproducts we have here and any milk that may come back to the store, we have a few cases of that every week. We'll feed that to the chickens and they just gobble that up. And when the chickens eat raw fermented milk, uh, that really, really makes for a strong um, shell. You notice that our shells are very strong, and that means that there's plenty of calcium available to the, uh, the chicken when they're actually uh, producing the egg. And their yolks are like caltrans orange, best, orange. You know, they're just really, 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 really orange, and that's telling us that they have wonderful, wonderful high levels of vitamins that you're not seeing in the regular um, uh, eggs that you'll see out there, organic or otherwise. They're that, that being on grass, really, really, really increases the riboflavin and the the wonderful vitamins that you just don't see in other foods. And these are the foods of our ancestors because that's how chickens used to be, running around in pastures. That's not the way it is anymore. And even organic chickens don't run around in pastures, but ours do. And that's a phenomenal food. We also have truly raw organic almonds, which have never been heated, irradiated, or gassed. Um, And we sell those in our farmer's markets all the time. And uh, the normal almonds you find in California stores or any store, they've been pasteurized. There's a new rule three or four years ago that mandated that all almonds be pasteurized. And we get around that rule by saying uh, go, there's a loophole that allows us to sell up to 100 pounds per person per day from our on-farm store or farmer's market. So we, we sell about 35,000 pounds a year from our own farm uh, almonds, and all of it is shelled, nothing else. We're coming out with, uh, we obviously have cream, raw cream. We have our skid milk, and we have our whole raw milk. And we also have butter. Cultured butter and regular butter, both. The cultured butter has had flora, Danica bacteria cultures added into the raw cream, allowed to sit for 24 hours. And then we churn that, which makes a wonderful, wonderful, very flavorful, uh, buttery-tasting, cultured raw butter. And we also have kefir. Our kefir had to be reformulated this last year. Uh, we used to make it uh, from some raw colostrum product. And uh, they no longer allow us to do that. We didn't have any food safety problems with it. It was just a FDA whim one day that they decided that we're getting too excited with our colostrum, and they denied us any access to the dietary supplement regulations, and they reclassified it as a dairy product. And we all know that you know dietary supplements and dairy products are completely different. And as a grade-A dairy product, there is no standard of identity for uh, colostrum, so it was immediately uh, made illegal to sell to humans. So what we do now is we have a our kefir, which is formulated a little differently from our raw milk, and it has the addition of 22 different kinds of beneficial bacteria uh, into it and fermented for 48 hours. And that is a wonderful, wonderful probiotic raw milk kefir, which you'll start seeing in the stores here in another three to four weeks. We actually ordered the labels, and they're coming out. You'll see them probably by November 1st. You'll probably see our kefir. But it's been approved by the state, and it's good to go. So we're very excited about that as a new introduction of that product.
1: I certainly look I forward to seeing. About
0: we, I think that's about everything we've got right now.
1: Well, I certainly look forward to seeing the uh, the, the new kefir right. because, um, in the meantime, you were selling the kefir grains at the farmer's market, which then you can make in. And so I did that by following the recipe on your website. And it certainly has a whole list of great recipes for different things you can make with raw milk. I also like that you brought up about the chickens for the eggs um, eating raw milk because we constantly hear that argument that. Other than baby calves, we're the only animal that consumes milk, but that's not true um, as obviously as demonstrated with your chickens, that uh, chickens can handle raw milk and also if you look at the partner of Weston A. Price, he had a partner, Francis Pottinger, who did experiments showing how cats benefited from raw milk. So it's – I would say it's a thing that we are the only animal that consumes pasteurized milk, but raw milk is great for many other animals
0: well, mammals are defined by the fact that we all drink raw milk uh, when you're a mammal, that means you nurse as a young you nurse and and you know the utter the breast of a mammal has evolved literally over tens of thousands of millions of years, however long you know we. <laughs> If you believe in evolution or Darwin, whatever, it's it's an incredible uh, food that has literally been perfected by nature to assure the highest level of protection for a newborn baby. It is the only food that a baby needs to have to survive. It is a perfect food. It is the only food on planet Earth that was designed to be a whole food intentionally. Fruits aren't intended to be a food. They're obviously... Offspring of a tree. Um, you know, meat isn't really a food. All those things are considered food, obviously. We eat them. But whole food, the only thing you have to drink to, to eat a whole food is raw milk. That's a very exceptional thing in another nature's kingdom. So, you know, it's interesting that prior to the concept of a store, uh, you take away a store, and you're going to starve in two days if you don't have a means to be able to convert sunshine and the grass that's created by sunshine and rain into food. Because if you don't have a garden, where are you going to get food from? You have to wait. And gardens, uh, you know, they don't last over the wintertime, so you have to preserve your food for the wintertime. So raw milk and its whey proteins are able to ferment foods into the wintertime. Uh, You know, the Mediterranean diet has a tremendous number of foods that are all whey protein, uh, uh, you know, fermented. Uh, You know, all these wonderful pickles and uh, vegetables are whey protein fermented. And then the cheeses. They're obviously the, the wonderful expression of raw milk. They're raw milk cheeses. Um, and then raw milk itself, fermented raw milk, are powerful, powerful foods. And there wasn't a, uh, you know, a Conestoga wagon that didn't come across the United States in the 1830s and 40s and 50s. They didn't have two or three or four cows behind it where you know, there was a calf suckling on it, and they could get milk that night because the cows could eat the pastures wherever the pastures were where these settlers came across the United States. In, in Jamestown in 1636, all the Americans were dying until the arrival of the first hundred cows. Uh, we have needed to have a, con- a way to convert sunshine and grass into foods, especially in the wintertime, uh, to-, to keep from starving. And you know the American Indians didn't drink raw milk, but you know what? The first thing they ate out of the utter of a of a killed buffalo was the curd they found in the utter of a killed buffalo. The Eskimos didn't drink raw milk; but they ate raw fish which has all the things found in raw milk, especially fermented raw milks and fermented fish. So, you know, in Dr. Weston Price's work around the world, he looked at every culture around the world, and those that did not drink raw milk ate all the things in their diet that was contained in raw milk, good fats, lots of enzymes, lots of beneficial good bacteria, and mineral availability. And those are the things not in the American diet. So raw milk is a convenient glass of delicious milk, uh, allows us to have all the things found in primitive diets, the raw fat the raw protein, the raw enzymes, the good beneficial bacteria, um, you know, and the mineral availability. That was in every diet around the world in primitive primitive cultures, which are not in the American diet because everything we have is so highly processed. So it's a wonderful way to get all those things we're missing in our diet. Just drink your glass of Rama.
1: And speaking of Dr. Weston Price, there's the Weston A. Price Foundation, which is based on all of his findings and, and following what he discovered, traveling around the world. And I'm sure that certainly a lot of these suggestions you've gotten for products to sell were from West A. Price members. And in addition, you have actually two presentations coming up at the Wise Traditions Conference in Santa Clara, November. Can you give us a little preview as to what you'll be speaking about then?
0: Well, Sally Fallon, my dear friend and a wonderful courageous leader, she's asked me to speak on two issues or two things. She's asked me to speak about the Raw Milk Institute and how we're we're starting to list farmers that are wanting to have their practices shown on the internet as to how they produce raw milk safely. And the rawmilkinstitute.org is a wonderful nonprofit 501c3 um, operation or organization which was formed last year, and it just post, just posted its first farmer, uh, Charlotte Smith out of Oregon, uh, and her food safety plan and her bacteria accounts for all the world to see. And uh, you know Sally Fallon's going to have her dairy on that operation uh, on the Raw Milk Institute website here uh, next year, and Ed Shank, myself, and and uh, there's a bunch of people that are going to that are going to step up to have their their bacteria counts and their uh, their uh, uh, you know food safety plans put on a website for all the world to see and set a track record for food safety for raw milk. So one of my speeches is about the Raw Milk Institute and the work it's done in the last year. My other speech is about how organic pastures dairy came to being. Uh, Sally's asked me to speak about how Organic Pastures Dairy uh, gra- founded itself and how it, found to, uh, how, it, how it found its way to where we are today as a thriving family-based fourth-generation organic farming operation and how we, we follow our North Star to where we are today. So I'm going to talk about the genesis of how we began and how we have, have come to where we are today and have been successful. So those are the two speeches I'm making. Um, I'm going to be inviting Charlotte Smith to actually speak with me at the raw institute uh, speech because i think she has a lot of things to say about about raw institute and her food safety program and her customers as a raw producer in oregon she has a tremendous story to talk about her children having terrible terrible eczema and asthma and how she uh, used to buy raw from our dairy and have it fedexed overnight shipped to her dairy five years ago or her farm uh, her home in oregon and then when we were shut down and not able to ship interstate anymore she had to get her own cow and how it's been just transformational her children's lives and how she's been able to transform the, the uh, immune systems of uh, lots of her neighbors and friends and those that purchase raw up from her. So it's gonna be a very exciting time to hear these stories because it brings it back down to the customer and our children and the next generation health, which is foundational to you know, in a very emotional deep place in all of us if we care about our kids.
1: Absolutely. And now certainly with all this talk about your different products that you offer, I'm sure our listeners are wondering where they can find organic pastures. So what are some of the different places, farmers' markets and supermarkets in the Southern California area where people can get it?
0: Great question, Andrew. Uh, Aaron, I'm sorry. No problem. Um, We're in in about 20 farmers' markets in the L.A., um, Orange County area. Um, We're not the only ones that carry raw milk in the farmers' markets. There's Day Day's uh, uh, Fine Meats, uh, grass-fed beef that uh, actually sells uh, raw milk um, at their booth as well. If you go to our website at OrganicPastures.com, OrganicPastures.com has a zip code locator. You put your zip code in on the right top corner of the home uh, page, it'll tell you the farmer's market or store or buyer's club closest to your home. And it's a wonderful locator to find out where raw milk is located to you. There's about 400 stores throughout the state of California, from Mount Shasta all the way down to the Mexican border, all the way to Palm Springs, Tahoe, Sacramento, San Francisco, uh, up on the north uh, coast. Uh, all throughout LA, uh, Ventura, uh, all over the place, where you can find raw milk um, in the LA area. We have Lassen Sprouts, Clark's, uh, we have Air One, co uh Lacey Acres. There's just a lot of stores uh, that have our raw milk, and it's it's really one of the big magnet products that mom and pops love to have in their stores because uh, it brings people in to buy other foods. So it's it every week we have two or three stores that want to get on our routes. And we simply just don't have any ra- uh, spaces on our trucks. We have 18 trucks and, and uh, 65 employees working very hard to produce our raw milk and also get it delivered to the stores. And a huge logistics uh, challenge to make sure that it's delivered 36 to 48 hours after it's produced and it's tested and it's cold and it's delicious. And I tell you, it's a thriving company. We're very excited to have a, a wonderful team that, that does this work to get the milk to people throughout the state of California. And it's, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal challenge.
1: Right. I Certainly, have been to a lot of these stores, so I see certainly the raw dairy products, and I've also seen in stores some of the, the grass-fed meat. Some of the stores are also starting to sell that, and I know obviously you can't sell in stores the raw almonds because of the law. That can only be at farmer's markets. But um, what I was wondering about, because it's a newer product, is your pastured eggs. Is there any chance that we can start seeing those in stores soon? Uh,
0: probably not. Uh, we're so short on that that they're only sold in farmer's markets. But we are working very hard to increase our production of of the eggs, and hopefully by next spring or maybe even next summer, we'll have a lot more eggs in the marketplace. But that's one of our business plans we want to develop and expand. Right now, we only have about 500 chickens. We need about 2,500 chickens or more. Uh, Pastured eggs is a is a really hot commodity right now uh, in the organic uh, nutrition uh, niche. And uh, you know, farmers, uh, take that note. It's really something. I don't think anybody can saturate the market with grass-fed uh, pastured eggs at this point. I, you know, If there was 50 times more than we have now, there wouldn't be enough. So people just can't get enough of them at any price because of the, the, the wonderful value of the proteins and, and all the things found in pastured eggs. People use them as raw in you know, smoothies in their kefir. Uh, they use them raw for you know just – they use them cooked. They use them all kinds of different ways in smoothies. So, yeah, pastured eggs are a phenomenal opportunity.
1: All right, well, we got to go to our desserts in a second, but I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I think you're the perfect one to kick off the Wise Tradition speaker series. Before we go, again, give listeners the website where they can find Organic Pastures.
0: Organicpastures.com. And I just want to close one one comment with you, Aaron. My wife and I spent a wonderful afternoon with a Ph.D. up at UC Davis who studies uh, breast milk. And she shared with us some very intimate details about how it's so hard to study these things because of the political pressures not to study raw milk. And I, we've got great friends inside of the best institutions studying this stuff. It's just a matter of time between now and the science stuff. She's showing the truth behind all of the anecdotal experiences we're having now and get the actual science to come out and promote and support us because the frustrations are incredible. Well,
1: thank you so much, Mark McAfee of Organic Pastures, everyone. And now for our desserts, how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. In celebration of Sustainability Month, on Wednesday, September 19th, the Santa Monica Farmer's Market will be teaching you all about why grass-fed meats are better for you, the environment, and the animal. Farmer Elizabeth Poet of Rancho San Julian and Marcy Jimenez of Jimenez Farms will be there to discuss their animal-raising philosophies. Then local butchers Erica Nakamura and Amelia Posada of Lindy & Grundy We'll discuss various meat parts as they demonstrate cooking techniques for getting the most out of every animal part. Also, a protest launched by the Yes on 37 campaign will be held outside of the Staples Center tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. The tour of Genestic Champions is being held there, and the tour is sponsored by Kellogg's, which has donated half a million dollars to the campaign against GMO labeling. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore. Next week, we continue our Wise tradition speaker series with Rachel Kaplan, co-author of the book Urban Homesteading. To find out more about my news stories, my guest, and the events happening this week, visit my blog at appropriateomnivore.blogspot.com.